Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Church in the Valley online. My name is Matt, and I'm a pastor here at Church in the Valley, and I'm, I'm really glad that you decided to join us here this morning. Uh, all of us are going through a really rough time right now. Things are changing every day. It's hard to get our bearings. And so I'm glad that you decided to spend some time this morning uh, with us, because I think that God wants to encourage you, me, everybody who's watching this with his word. Uh, God is not surprised by these circumstances. Uh, this is a global pandemic. But God, he wants to draw close to us and help us walk through it step by step. And, and I know he'll do that today as we look at the scriptures and hear what he has to say. For some of you, uh, you you're feeling scared. You're feeling afraid. You're feeling like you're not quite sure what's going to happen. I hope that by the end of today, you'll have more courage to kind of face the week and uh, a sense that you can you can go into this storm because God is with you. Uh, for some of you, you have some big decisions in front of you. You have to make decisions, you have to lead, you have to make some choices, and you're not quite sure what you need to do. I know that God wants to give you the wisdom that you need. And so I'm hopeful that by the end of our time today, uh, you'll have a stronger sense that you can turn to God and ask him for wisdom, and he'll give it to you. Some of you are kids, and you're watching this at home, and I'm glad that you're watching, because we're going to be doing some fun things in just a little bit that I think you're going to like. So please, stay tuned. And for those of you who are watching this and you are alone because you're, you're social distancing, maybe you're trying to protect yourself or a loved one, I just want you to know that you're not alone. That you may be social distancing, but God is not spiritually distancing. God is near to all those who call to him. God is with you and he wants to help you. And uh, we love you at Church in the Valley. We want to be a help to you as well. If there's something that you need, if there's something that we can pray for, then you can let us know on the, the digital connection card. It's just below the video that I'm speaking on right now. So uh, we have been looking at a series of, uh, of letters in the New Testament over the last several weeks at Church in the Valley. The series is called Lives and Letters. And we're looking at some of the letters that were written by the first century church leaders to the people of God who lived all around the Roman Empire. And it's funny because the letter we're looking at today is just the perfect letter, letter for us. It was written by a man named James. And James was one of the uh, leaders in the first century church. In fact, he was the pastor over the very first church in history, the church in Jerusalem. And James, uh, he wrote this letter because uh, the Christians in, in Jerusalem, they were scattered around the Roman Empire. That means they lost their homes. That means they lost their jobs. That means they, they weren't sure how they were going to feed their families. They didn't know what was going to happen next. Sound like us, right? Sounds just like our circumstance today. And so James is, is writing to them, trying to help them. Uh, read the situation, figure out what to do, and how to respond in faith. And I know that God wants to speak to us today, just like he spoke to them uh, in their day. Now, James, he was actually killed for his faith in Christ. He was martyred in 64 AD because he continued to tell people about Jesus through all the crises that was going on in the Roman Empire. They tried to shut him up and keep him quiet, but he wasn't going to stop preaching the good news about Jesus Christ. And so this book can offer us a lot of help, a lot of practical wisdom for the things that we're dealing with right now. And this book, it helps us turn our attention back to God in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the trial. It's very difficult right now, and it's easy to become anxious and to look around, and all the things we were counting on are starting to crumble. But God is not crumbling. God is not distant, and God is going to help us. So if you can imagine being one of these Christians in the first century, Right. You've lost your house. Um, maybe you had to leave your, your town. You don't have a job. You're not sure what's going to happen. And then you find out that James has written a letter to you and to all the church. I bet you're excited. 
Can't wait to hear what he's going to say. Maybe he's going to tell us, you know, uh, fight back, you know, resist the Romans. Or maybe he's going to give us a line on some secret stash of toilet paper that we all need. Probably not, but, you know, we can hope. Whatever it was that they were hoping James was going to tell them, uh, when they opened the book, what they heard was very different. It's probably different than what you'd expect. So let's, let's look and see what James has to say uh, to this first century church. He says in James chapter 1, it says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. And then he says, greetings. And then he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, I don't think that's what they were expecting to hear. Consider it joy. Rejoice. Do you know what's going on? Do you know what I'm facing right now? Do you know my circumstances? And you may be feeling that way as well. How can James, how can he say that we're supposed to rejoice in the middle of trials and trouble? I mean, right now, it looks like the stock market is dropping. The, the cities are shutting down um, everything except for essential services. A lot of people aren't sure if they're going to have a job. How could I possibly rejoice in the middle of that? Why would I rejoice in the middle of that? And James tells us, he says, because the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, when times are good, I don't look to God. When times are good, I'm not trusting in God. When times are good, I'm trusting in all sorts of other things. I'm trusting in my job. I'm trusting in my own ability to make things happen for myself. I'm trusting in my bank account. I'm trusting in you know, authorities and my relationships. It's very easy when things are good, as they were just a month ago, to kind of leave God out and not really depend on him. But when times get tough, when we go through trial, that's when we turn to God and we ask God for help. That's when we're, our, our bond, our relationship with God can actually grow a lot stronger. That's when our faith grows. Because when things are bad and I don't know what to do, and I don't feel like my needs are going to be met, and I call upon God, and I trust and obey him, he comes through for me. God is a father. He loves you, and he wants to take good care of you. But you have to trust and obey him and walk with him. And let's be real. In most of our lives, when things are good, we can simply walk away from God. We can get distracted with all sorts of things. But right now, there are people all over the world, the things they were trusting in, the things that gave them a sense of security, those things are they're crumbling. Those things are shaking. And God is not shaken. God is not far. God wants us to turn to him. And that's why James says we can consider it pure joy. That's why we can rejoice in the middle of the trial. God wants to strengthen our faith, strengthen our bond to him, so that we will receive from him the peace we need, the strength we need, the hope we need. God is the one who has all the resources in the world. God can take care of you and provide for you. But if you're busy taking care of yourself, if you're looking to other people to take care of you, you're going to miss out on God's direction and his protection and his provision. And so we, we look at trials very differently as Christians. James looks at a trial very, very differently. He sees it as opportunities to strengthen and grow in our faith. Because after the trial is over, and it will be over, 
One of these days, this thing is going to pass. And when it does, God wants you to come out the other side, a very different person than you went in. God wants you to come out that other side, more trusting, more obedient, more mature, stronger, more hopeful. He wants to teach you how to have a security that can't be shaken. And that security comes when you're standing with your father. You know, it's funny. One of the most common commands in the Bible is do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. God says that over and over again in the Bible. And if you think about our circumstances, there's lots of things to fear. But the reason why God says do not fear is the next line that he always has in the Bible right after do not fear. And you know what that line is? Do not fear, for I am with you. I am with you. Our security, our sense of okayness, the person that we need to take care of us is God. And it's in the trial and in the trouble that we actually turn to him and call to him. And he's always there. And he helps us. And so that's why we consider it pure joy. I'd like to uh, take a second And try to apply what James has already said to us. We just read a paragraph. But one of the things about James is he tells us that we shouldn't just read it. We should do it. The blessing is in the doing. So I want to encourage you to pause the camera. Pause the video. Not the camera. I'm on camera. You're watching the video. Pause the video. And if you're kids and you're watching this, I want to encourage you to go to the kitchen. Go to the cupboard. Open them up. And if you have any food, if you have any good things in there, thank God for them. And if you're an adult watching this, I want you to think about for a second all the good things that you have in your life. Do you have family? Do you have a roof over your head? Do you have clothes on your back? Do you have money that you can use to pay your bills? Thank God for the things that you have. Choose in the middle of the storm not to focus on all the things you lack and all the questions you can't answer and the emotions that try to steal our peace. But instead, like James says, rejoice. Pause it and take a second to rejoice as a family, as a group. Okay, I hope you did that. Now, I have something else I think we could do to apply what James has said. I want to encourage you to have a party. That's right, a party. That might sound crazy to you, but I want to encourage you to have a James 1 party. Now, what's a James 1 party? Well, a couple years ago, I heard about a pastor in Texas, and him and his family were going through a really hard time. And it was, it was not letting up, kind of like us right now. And he remembered what James says, Consider it joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. And so he went to the grocery store, and he bought some ice cream, and he bought some party hats, and he brought them home, and their family had a party. And what they were doing was they were choosing to thank God and rejoice in the things that God had given them, to remember and to say out loud, God, you're with me. You're going to take care of me. You're not going to rip me off. I don't know what's going to happen. I can't see tomorrow, but I know you're going to take care of me. And as they did that, it gave them courage. It gave them hope because they were choosing to believe what God says, which is do not fear for I am with you. Do not be afraid for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God has promised these things to us, and they were choosing to claim those promises. So they had a party, a James 1 party. And that sounds strange. But a couple years ago, my family also went through a pretty difficult time. There was a family member, one of our kids, who had uh, some medical issues, and it was just lasting and going on, and there was complications. And so we, we got some ice cream, we got some hats, 
And we had a James 1 party. And you know what? It actually helped me readjust my perspective so that I wasn't just focusing on all the things that were, that were scaring me, all the things I couldn't control. So you may not have ice cream, you may not have cake, but I'm sure there's some way that you could have a James 1 party. You can put on music, the kids, they can, they can make stuff, and just take some time to just celebrate the good that God has done in your past and the good that God has promised to do in your future. You can do that after the message, you can do it today, you can do it every day if you need to. But the point is, is that God has promised to help us, and we want to hold on to that promise. Now, James says something here in this verse at the end that I'd like us to, to take a look at. He says, the reason why we consider it joy is because God is going to make us mature and complete and not lacking anything. Not lacking anything. Now, do you feel like that right now? I don't always feel like that. There have been several points this week where I lack, I need, I don't have the answers I need. I don't have the energy that I need. Some of you are thinking, we have food right now, but what about tomorrow? Some of you are asking the question, am I going to have a job? You might have enough money in the bank right now, but how am I going to pay my bills tomorrow? Some of you are students in your home right now, and you're thinking, am I going to go back to school? We lack a lot of information. We lack a lot of direction. And a lot of us have to make decisions right now. And we have to lead our families, and we have to lead in business, and there's all these choices that we're going to have to make, and it's very difficult to know what to do. God doesn't want you to lack. He wants to give you what you need. And what many of us need right now is wisdom. We need direction. What do I do? I have all these choices in front of me. Which one do I pick? I have all these things that are grabbing for my attention. Which do I prioritize? And it can feel overwhelming. It can make us feel just exhausted. And that's why the next thing James says is just, it's perfect. It's, it's exactly what I need to hear. Here's what he says. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Do you hear that? God says that he will give you his wisdom so that you can make the best decisions that you need to make. God is generous. And he says, without finding fault. That means it doesn't matter if you have, you know, some of you watching this, you may not be Christians. You may not have any relationship with God. And you may be thinking, well, I can't, I can't call on God's name because I don't have a relationship with God. He, you know, I, I've been living my life a totally different way. God is going to be mad at me. Or maybe there's some things I need to do to get my life straightened out before God's going to help me. That is not who God is. God is a loving father. He created you. He loves you. He sent his one and only son to rescue you and bring you into the family. And he is saying right here, if you need wisdom, he will give it to you. He's not going to hold up your faults and say, let's go ahead and clean these things up first, and then I'll help you. That's not what God is saying. God is saying that if you need wisdom, if you need direction, he will give it to you. And God gives wisdom in all sorts of ways. You know, what's funny is this church that James is writing to, they don't even have a Bible. The Bible hasn't been composed yet. Some of these people, they can't read. They don't have verse packs. They don't have the internet. They don't have devotionals. They don't have cell phones. So how exactly is God going to give them wisdom? The answer is God gives them wisdom through his spirit. When you become a child of God, God gives you his Holy Spirit. When you call upon the name of Jesus Christ, when you say, God, I want to be in your family, and I confess that I've lived my life, 
basically is my own king, my own director, the script writer for my story. I haven't really been thinking about you. I haven't been interested in you, but I want you in my life now. I confess that was not the right way to live. Please forgive me for the, the sin in my life. I want you to come into my life. I give you my life. Please direct my life. Help me. When you do that, God gives you his spirit, and he will never take that spirit away. And that spirit is a spirit of power, love, wisdom, peace, and direction. And so God will direct you through his Holy Spirit. He will show you what you need to do. God directs us through the scriptures. We do have Bibles today. It's never been easier to read a Bible. And what I do is I spend time each day reading the Bible a little bit, telling God what I'm worried about, telling God what I have in front of me, allowing God to speak to me. And as I do that, God gives me direction and encouragement. I mean, this week, I've read the Bible a couple times, and each time God tells me exactly what I need to hear. And then as I go through my day, there's opportunities that come up, and I know what to do because God has shown me through the scriptures. He'll do that for you. He doesn't play favorites with his children. He loves you as much as he loves me. He'll speak to you as much as he'll speak to me if I'll listen. And again, like James says, it's in the trials and in the trouble that we actually start listening to God. When things are good, we're not listening. But now things are bad and people all over the world are beginning to ask, who can help me? God can help you. He'll give you the wisdom that you need through his spirit, through his word. And God will also send you people. He'll send people to help you. There's pastors of the church, leaders in the church. And then sometimes God will just bring people in your path to help you with what it is you're dealing with. This week, I met a woman named Cookie, and I asked her some questions that I've been asking everybody I see nowadays. How are you doing, and do you have what you need? And I got to talking with Cookie, and she told me that she was a leader of like this prayer group and how she was using this technology to stay connected with her, with her friends who she's praying with. Well, I'm at Church in the Valley. One of my responsibilities is to figure out how to, how to keep us connected when we can't meet together physically. And she actually gave me some great ideas that we're going to be using at Church in the Valley. Now, earlier in the week, I had prayed and asked God, I don't know what to do. Can you show me? And God brings people in our path who can help us. There's all sorts of ways that God can give us wisdom and direction. But the key thing here is you need his wisdom and he'll give it to you if you ask him. Now, there's something I'd like you to do. And everybody can do this. If you're a kid, you can do this. If you're an adult, you can do this. In order to get God's wisdom, you got to remember, he's not offering knowledge. He's not offering information. He's offering you wisdom. Now, wisdom is about my responsibility. Wisdom is about doing the right thing in the right order in the right way. There's a lot of questions that you have. There's a lot of things you're concerned about. But a lot of those things are not your responsibility. Then there are some things that are just your responsibility, things you can control, things that are under your dominion, things that are in your stewardship, in your circle of responsibility. And those are the things that God wants to give you wisdom to handle. And so I want to encourage you just to pause for a second. We, we are just filling ourselves up with anxieties and stress by listening to all of the news and all the social media. Much of it is, is not helpful at all. And it kind of just makes me feel just like a volcano with pressure inside. And if I don't stop and write some of this stuff down, I'm going to pop. And so what I want to encourage you to do to receive the wisdom that God wants to give you is I want to, I want to encourage you to take a piece of paper out right now or even maybe after this message. Take out a piece of paper and I want you to write down all of the problems that you have right now. All of the needs that you have right now, all of the questions that you have right now, and most importantly, the decisions 
that you need to make right now. If you're a kid and you're watching this, you can take out a piece of paper and you can write questions down for your parents. You can draw a picture of things that are making you feel anxious, things that you, you want to know about. Uh, what I want everybody to do is just stop, take a second, and write out the things that you need to know and the things that you need God's help with. Now, after you do that, I want you to take that piece of paper and flip it over. And I want you to draw two circles. Okay, circle number one, I want you to write underneath that circle, my responsibility. In circle number two, I want you to write someone else's responsibility. And then finally, I want you to sort that list of questions into one of these two circles. Because the things that are your responsibility, those are the things that God is going to give you wisdom for. And all this other stuff that you cannot control Those are things that God is going to give someone else wisdom for. And as soon as you do this exercise, your stress will go down because you now have identified the things that you have control over, the things that you can affect, the things that are your responsibility. And that's what God has given you. And that's what God will give you wisdom for. And then you take this list of things, your questions, your problems, your needs, your decisions, and you turn them into prayer. You ask God to help you. You prioritize them. What are my deadlines? What do I absolutely have to decide right now? And then you work the process. Ask God for wisdom, and he'll give it to you. This exercise is a way of actually obeying God in James. It's a way of trusting him and obeying him. And if you'll do this, and you can clarify what it is you need help with, then God will give you the wisdom you need. Now, just in two paragraphs, I don't know about you, but I already feel better. First of all, I know God is with me. I know he loves me. I know he's going to use this trial for my good. I know that God is going to give me the wisdom that I need and the help I need to make the decisions that I have to make. And that makes me feel better. And I hope it makes you feel better. The rest of this book is just situation after situation that you and I are going to face every single day. James writes it in a short, clear way so that we can read it, think about it, and allow God to direct us. We could spend hours looking at the rest of this book, but I just want to spend the rest of our time looking at one more passage, because I think this passage actually addresses something that we're all dealing with, and it is our attitude towards the future, which is so uncertain, and our approach to today. And so I'd like you to look with me at James chapter four, and in verse 13, here's what James says. He says, Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we're going to go to this city or that city. We're going to spend a year there. We're going to carry on business and make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. Man, isn't that the truth? I mean, a month ago, this world was totally different. We don't know what the future holds. And James goes on to say, he says, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. And finally, he says, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. James is talking here to the world. He's talking to Americans, he's talking to you, he's talking to me. All of us love to plan for the future. 
We create a picture in our, in our minds of what's going to happen at our job and what's going to happen in our family and what's going to happen here and what's going to happen there. We get hopeful. We get confident. We make our plans. But as we can all see, none of us know the future. I mean, a month ago, Joe Biden's candidacy looked like it was dead. And the economy was almost 30,000, right? The stock market was almost at 30,000. Today, it looks like the stock market is dead, and Joe Biden's campaign is very much alive. A month ago, many of you were making plans to fly out of state, to fly out of country, to go on vacation. Today, all the planes are grounded. Nations are closing their borders. Cities like San Francisco are in lockdown. And who could have predicted that? A month ago, students, some of you are students, your kids, you're, you're going to school. Some of you are high school seniors. Some of you are college seniors. You were probably thinking about buying a prom dress. Some of you were looking to make you know, planes, uh, plane flights and, and reservations for your family who were coming into town for your graduation. And now you're not even sure if you're, you're ever going to go back on campus again. None of us know what's going to happen tomorrow. But we do have today. And what James is saying when he says, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. That's what we should say. What he's saying is, is our first question, our primary focus, not our only focus, but our primary focus needs to be, what does God want me to do? What is it that God wants me to do right now? And that's why James says this. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do, but he doesn't do it, sins. You are not going to be accountable for that circle Of other people's responsibility. You're not going to be accountable for what the president does. You're not accountable for what business leaders do. You and I are accountable for what we do with our responsibility. And what James is saying is there is going to be all sorts of things today that I can do that are good. But if I'm focusing on tomorrow, if I'm worrying about the future, if I'm thinking about holding it back because I'm not sure if I'm going to have a job next week. I'm not sure if I'm going to have enough toilet paper next week. I'm not sure what's going to happen next week. So I'm going to save it up. I'm going to hold it back. I'm going to look out for me. And I'm not going to do the good that's in front of me. If you do that, that is the wrong choice. That is not what God wants. The Lord's will is that we do good today. And that actually provides a lot of direction because honestly, I don't know if we've hit bottom as a culture. I don't know if the stock market has hit the bottom. I don't know if the coronavirus is spreading or if it's stopping. Or I mean, I, I can't predict anything. Neither can you. It seems like every day we're getting a new notification from a government official telling us that our circles need to get smaller and smaller and smaller. Who can predict these things? Nobody can. But here's what I do know. I'm alive today. I have today. And there are good things that I can do today. And if I allow fear to become my focus, if I focus on the crisis rather than on Christ and what his will is, I'm going to miss what God has for me. I'm going to miss God's provision and his protection and his direction because I'm not listening to him and doing his will. I'm chasing after other things and I'm holding it back out of fear. This is why James says those who know the good they need to do and don't do it sin. That's his point. Our plans for the future actually keep us from doing the good thing we need to do today. So ask yourself this question. If you have a job, what does God want you to do today or tomorrow? Does he want you to work as hard as you can to do your very best, to contribute to the success of the company for as many days as you have? Or does he want you to get distracted, to be on Instagram, to be on Facebook, to be opening up 20 browsers, looking at what's going on? 
obviously the good thing is to work as hard as you can. But, but, but if I don't make plans, if I don't, if I don't find out where the newest grocery store is with the, with the new stock of food, I mean, what if I don't have food? That's the future. Today, what is the good you need to do? If you're at home and you have your kids and you haven't you know, been at home with kids for a long period of time, you know, maybe you're now the teacher at home, what can you do today? What's the good you can do today? Look, we have government officials. They need to be asking this question. God, give me wisdom. Show me the good that I can do today. We have economic leaders who need to be asking this question. God, what do I do today? What's the good that I can do right now? And ask God for wisdom. There's all these responsibilities that other people have. And then there's the responsibilities that I have. And if I focus on what's good today, the next right thing, and I ask God for wisdom, he'll give it to me. He'll give it to you. So I want to encourage you, if you're a student and you're home right now, you can get distracted, you can procrastinate, you know, you can play video games, and those aren't bad things. But my guess is God wants you to work as hard as you can and do the very best work you could possibly do while you're home. If you need wisdom, if you need direction, if you need help, God will give that to you as you walk through this step by step. I'm not, uh, I'm not a prophet. You know, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. But I am guessing that there's going to be some more dark days ahead. That things could get worse before they get better. And there are a lot of people in the world right now who are feeling hopeless. There's a lot of people out there who have been putting their confidence in things, and those things are all shaking. You may be feeling like that right now. You may have chased after all sorts of things to find a sense of security in this world. It could be relationships. It could be pleasure and fun and vacations. It could be you know, your bank account, your career, whatever it is. But you have kind of found your sense of security in the things in this world, and now those things are shaking, and you don't know what to do. You and I... We were created for relationship with God. You were made to know and love God and enjoy him forever. And the good news for you, if you're feeling this sense of emptiness, if you're feeling this sense of um, insecurity, is that God wants to give you the peace, the hope, the power, the help that you need today. You can have that if you decide that you want to enter into relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've done that yet. You may be a Christian and you just realize that you've been living your life kind of independently from the Lord for a while. And you realize you need to get back close to God. Wherever you are, I want to encourage you to pray with me right now. If you've never decided to follow Christ, to decide to to become one of his children, to enter into his family, then pray with me. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us. Father, we confess that We need you, that the circumstance is big and that we don't quite know what to do. We need your help. And Father, we believe that you sent your son Jesus into this world to remove the sin that keeps us from you. Father, I confess and we confess that we live in lived many of our days independently from you. But now we we want we want your help. Father, I want to be your son. Some of the people listening, they want to be your daughter. And we just ask that you'd forgive us for our sins and that you'd give us your spirit of power, love, and peace. That you come into our life and help us and protect us. We give you our lives and we ask that you would give us your eternal life in the name of Jesus.
Now, if you prayed that with me, I just want to say that's fantastic. Please let us know on the connection card right below this video. We want to help you take your first steps in your Christian life with God. God loves you. He wants to draw near to you. And if you made that decision right now, God is never going to let you go. We want to help you learn how to trust and obey and walk with him so that you can experience the peace and the hope and the power that God wants to give you through Jesus Christ. I hope that uh, this has been encouraging to you. Uh, we've looked at just a couple passages in James. I hope that you can see that these trials, they're going to go away one day. But on the other side of these trials, God wants to strengthen your faith, tighten up your relationship with him, and let you see him come through for you. We don't look to God to come through for us when things are good. We turn to God when things are tough, and things are tough right now. Turn to God. For those of you who have to make decisions, and we all are having to make decisions with incomplete information, I want to encourage you to ask God for wisdom. Say, God, I don't know what to do. Here are my choices. Please help me know the right path to take. Show me what I need to do, and God will give you direction. And I want to encourage you at this, this critical time, don't hold back on doing good for others. Don't hold back on doing the right thing that you know you need to do in your area of responsibility because of your fear of the future. We don't know the future. The Lord's will is that I do the next right thing. And if I trust that God is going to take care of me, then I don't have to worry about holding it back because I'm not going to lack. There's a psalm in the book of Psalms, Psalm 23. It's easy to find. You could easily Google it. And the psalm starts off this way. It says, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. The Lord is our shepherd. He wants to guide us through this process. He wants to take care of us. But we have to follow him. We have to follow the shepherd. We have to trust him and obey him and do the right thing that's before us. We have to go to the scriptures and let him speak to us. And if we'll do that, he's going to take care of us. Later on in the psalm, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And why not? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I don't know your circumstance. I don't know uh, if you need money. I don't know if you need wisdom. I don't know if you need food. I don't, I don't know what you need. But I know God knows. He loves you. And he will give you what you need if you will call upon his name in the name of Jesus and trust him to take care of you. There's going to be things for you to do. God is going to show you what you can do with your responsibility, but he is going to be with you every step of the way. I hope you've been encouraged today, and I hope you'll come back next week, because next week we're going to look at another letter. This is a letter written by Peter, another one of the leaders in the early church, someone who is very close to the Lord Jesus. And although we don't know the future, God knows the future, and we have a really great hope when Christ returns, there's a, there's a bright future for all of his children. And next week, we're going to look at that future, what we can really hope in when it comes to the future. And how do we cast our anxieties and our fears on the Lord? How do we receive the peace that God wants us to have? How do we relate to the authorities around us and to the people around us in the middle of this crisis? Peter, he writes his letter to a church going through a crisis just like us, and he wants to give us some help and direction. Do you need answers to those questions? Do you want to hope for the future that can't be shaken, spoiled, or faded? Do you want to know how to cast your anxieties and your cares repeatedly on God? Do you want to know how to relate to the people around you in a way that really blesses them and is wise? 
I hope you'll join us next week as we look at First Peter. Thank you for watching. Again, let us know how we can pray for you in the connection card below the screen. If there's something that's been said today that really encouraged you, please let us know. And if you've decided to follow Christ for the first time, again, please let us know in that connection card. I'll be praying for you guys. I hope you have a great week. Thank you for watching, and I'll see you next Sunday.